Jason Geary. Pew, pew, pew. Hey, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> how are you, my man? I'm very well today. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I've been staring uh, at my computer a lot. I've been doing a lot of reading on screens oh, lately, yeah. so I'm a little like both in the brain. But um, I'm so excited. Uh, right now, I'm jazzed because we just had such a great conversation. Yeah, we spoke with Jim Fishwick, who's a uh, improviser based out of Sydney. Uh, came down to Melbourne for a little while, which is where I got to know. I knew him already, but got to know him more there. He's now moved to New Zealand. Uh, we're still working uh, in a creative relationship. I'm directing uh, his current show, which we talk about in the episode. Uh, look, he's just a, a great improviser, fearless, um, a, a, a wonderful creative uh, uh, improv brain in him. And, uh, and that's why I was like, we should you get Jim on this podcast because he's awesome. And I thank you because that was so <laughs> cool and such a nice, nice uh, such a, uh, how to say it, a beautiful brain to pick, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. And uh, <laughs> and such lovely creativity coming out of everything uh, that, uh, that he talks about. So I I'm, I'm can't wait for you to listen to the episode, everyone. You're going to have such a great time. Yeah. Well, let's jump on in. We'll talk to you again uh, next week. Okay. Bye. Jim, Jim Fishwick. We're going to pay for some soundtrack movies and rice. Hello, Dave Morris. How are you today? Oh, well, we already did an intro, though, right? Oh, there. This is an to intro. Talk to me. You're supposed to talk okay. to me. <laughs> Uh, let's let try that again. Let, let, let me take care of this. Hi, Jim yeah. Morris. How are you today? Oh, I'm good, Jim. Good to see you. <laughs> oh, thank God Jim was here. <laughs> How often do you hear that? Thank God Jim was here. Do you hear that a lot? Um, I don't know if I do, but I, I hear it a said, lot. <laughs> if, I mean, like, if I said it, then that would be, if I said that I did, that would be disastrous for my reputation. I'd be even more of an egotist. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, well, I, mean, I reckon you should say it every time you enter a room, Jim. Okay. Thank God Jim's here. Thank God Jim's here. Uh, well, based on what Jason, because uh, Jason talks about you quite often on this podcast, you'd be surprised how often your name gets oh. dropped. Uh, and uh, every time I pictured you based on how your name has come up in the conversation, I always thought of you as like a really old theater guy. Like it, the way it sounded was like, you'd have like gray hair and a mustache and like wear the same shirt every day. Like that kind of theater guy who had like so much experience and doing all these cool shows. Uh, and then uh, it turns out you're like um, 19. How old are you, Jim? You look really uh, you look very youthful. Thank you very much. Uh, well, this is actually something that I was thinking about um, a few days ago is that there was, so I started taking improv classes when I was 15 and then I was performing in bars that I wasn't supposed to be in when I was 17. And because mm-hmm. I was in these spaces with people who were in their sort of mainly in their like late twenties, early thirties, in their forties going on. And I, for the longest time, I just sort of internalized that I was the kid. I was the young upstart. I was the enfant of based <laughs> info. I am so sorry. I, forget sometimes that in Canada people actually speak French and I can't just yeah. I can't so just that, do whatever that, that was. Wasn't, that wasn't French. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, this has been great. Um thank you so much. Uh, no no it's okay. It's okay. I'll send you the audio. No crampon per frampon. Go ahead. Um yeah but um last year I turned 30 and I'm no longer at the point where I'm 
the young upstart is like I I'll be at festivals and there are people who are who I once was who are the 19s and the 21s and it uh I don't re I never paid attention to the moment when that flipped when yeah. I went from being the, the young upstart I, I went from being an emerging artist or an emerging actor to uh to an emerged an now, yeah. now you're just an actor <laughs> just a one yeah. another one of those fucking actors <laughs> you made it you made it completely emerged with a generation of people beneath you i mean yeah. i re i remember I, when it flipped for me uh yeah i think we've talked about this before i was in seattle one year at the festival and i realized that i was people were looking at me like oh dave's here and i was like oh they think i'm like good now oh no it's over i can't just be young and talented i now have to be talented um you know the young always helped make up for it <laughs> yeah you gotta add in those extra percentage points but but i teach a lot in high schools and i remember uh i remember having the switch happen there where i was suddenly closer to the teacher's age than the student's age yeah uh and that was like an interesting like whoa that's an interesting switch and then wait for the next switch where you're older than the teachers that are teaching the students, which has happened to me now where I'm like, oh, this teacher is like 20 something. What? Whoa. Uh, that's an interesting switch. So wait till you're the oldest guy in the room. Jim. You great, know, it's great. an interesting <laughs> switch is teaching uh, students that are younger than your children. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, I haven't yeah. had that one yet. That's yeah, it's one. it's so strange. Like I'm teaching at uh, a performing arts school, and everyone in there is the same age as my eldest daughter. Uh, they're 19, going on 20, uh, and I'm just like, I could be all of your fathers, yeah. <laughs> all of them, all like, of them. Yeah, I got around. I got <laughs> around. Then you got to wait for the next switch, Jason, <laughs> which is when now the teachers are the same age as your daughter right yeah so like now like the students are even younger than that. yeah 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 there's lots of switches going on however i still feel itself, like the school itself is, is younger than your daughter uh <laughs> however i still feel like the kid uh in the in the candy shop like i, I still have that vision of myself as well when i go play <laughs> do you still feel like the kid at shows jim do you still feel like the kid or do you do you start if you started acting like the the regular uh, the regular aged person? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I don't want to sort of dwell too much on like analyzing how other people will perceive me because that's already a a, a key point of my anxiety. Yeah. And I don't I don't <laughs> think this is therapy. Like I'm I'm willing to find out, but you know, could be. Um, I think the thing that I do is that I'm very fortunate to have spent. I'm, I think most of my career performing with people who I think are much better than me mm. and more experienced than I am. Um, so uh, there's n never a point where I sort of look around and go like, ah, yes, I am the wise one in the room. Um, Cause I can always look up to someone else. And I sort of, the, the times that I've spent in uh, rehearsal rooms and things over the last three years, four years, especially um, when I was in Melbourne, I've been with very clever, uh, very experienced people. So I, I never sort of had felt a pressure to be the one who knew what they were doing. And I think if I felt like I was the one who knew what they were doing, I would stop. I mean, that has been a little different <laughs> recently because I moved to uh a city in New Zealand, and this is going to be the first Canadian connection, is it's called Hamilton, 
and there is a Hamilton in Ontario. Yeah, I mean um, that's that's sort of a Canadian connection. I, okay. Hamilton, <laughs> right. Ontario is not like whoa, Hamilton, Ontario. What a I, great well, Canadian city. Well, this is city. the thing: is like uh, the city of Hamilton in New Zealand. It, it's like proper name is Kirikiriro, and it was named Hamilton after Captain John Hamilton, I think, who never even fucking came here. He right. was just a, a British just guy a who name. was nearby. And they probably um, named Hamilton, Ontario after him as well. Yeah, and I think the musical. Um, yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the um, dance, the, the, the Hamilton dance move. <laughs> what is that? Um, it's yeah, so uh, I've, I've, it's I've where you... <laughs> and I uh, have been teaching uh, workshops and there is a little bit of improv here. There's a lot of like high school theater sports that's been happening for 20 years, but only sort of uh, pockets of uh, it being performed in its own right um, by uh, grown-ups sounds too pejorative on the high school stuff, but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) uh, outside of a high school theater sports scenario. And so um, I've been very fortunate enough to be able to teach some sort of intro to improv classes while I've been here. And suddenly I am the one who knows uh, sort of a, a lot about improvisation. And, uh, and I, I just try and keep the, uh, the mindset of I, I'm here to explore with the people in the class. I can pass on w- what I can, but if, if they find stuff out that I don't know, that's, mm. uh, that's really cool for yeah, me. No, it's a good attitude. I like that attitude. That like, yeah. Like uh, walking into a classroom and seeing like, what can you teach me in this class mm. that I'm running? But what can you, t- what can I learn from you? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I, I will uh, counter what you've just said, Jim, and uh, with, with oh, a perspective counter. Uh, <laughs> counter move. of someone uh, who's been, uh, who, who's witnessed uh, your journey over the last 10 years or so from a uh, young pup in Sydney through, uh, <laughs> through, through some time in Melbourne. And, uh, and uh, I've just seen an amazing artist all along um, uh, trying interesting things, uh, experimenting with the form, uh, really uh, digging their teeth in. Uh, what I r- love and respect about you, Jim, is how fearless you are about uh, what you can do with improvisation. Uh, oh, and I know you. that a lot of imp- uh, a lot of improvisers on the scene here look up to you for that reason, and uh, all chomping at the bit to have a go uh-huh. at things like when when you know you say, "Let's," uh, I've got this idea called the saboteur i want to figure it out you know everyone in that room was delighted to be there and really wanted to try to to figure it out so that's what uh, i think a lot of the people see around um uh, around you in 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 what what you bring to the scene i think you bring a lot of creativity a lot of fearlessness um the willingness to experiment and uh and that's what's um that's why you're here. That's why you're talking on this podcast, Jim, <laughs> because I love it. It's just, it, it's, it's fantastic. And for someone uh, who is uh, a generation above, uh, that's the type of energy that kind of feeds us, that you want to plug into, that you want to, that you want to associate with, you know, um, I think, um, because it keeps, it keeps you evolving. 
I'm going to cry. Thank you, Jason. That was just lovely. That almost got me too. That was very sweet. <laughs> well, this has been great. Um, Thanks, uh, do you need me to send you the audio? I'll... Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. This, uh, is what, this is what this podcast actually is. This isn't really, <laughs> we're not actually going to share this with anyone, Jim. This is just, Jason just really wanted to tell you some stuff. Yeah, it's, oh, thank you. It's a confessional. It's a confessional audio confession. Uh, but but uh, I do want to get to some of what you do because Jason was, he always brings you up in these ways where it's like oh yeah it was this show that and it's this cool show <laughs> idea and then it's like that uh, you know jim fishwick uh, uh and then i would be like oh jimmy the fish but <laughs> we've never met so i don't know I, I think never you got that you. i think you picked that nick i i listened to I've, I've been listening to episodes and i uh think that you picked up jimmy the fish from kale bane because uh, he's the oh, up until now the only person in the world who calls me Jimmy the Fish. Back when I was taking classes with him when I was twenty one or something, he was like, "Do you have a middle name?" And I was like, "Nah, you can call me Jim the Fishwick." He was like, "Jimmy the Fish, got <laughs> Jimmy it." The fish. He's never well, let I it think go. it also it also came from me picturing you as an older gentleman, <laughs> but like nineteen twenties mobster. Yeah. Is you're that always, the, you're how always old you're a fish every time you walk around? <laughs> Raw fish. Um, but he, but you always come up in these ways that these that are referencing these cool show ideas. So uh, when you're coming up with a show idea like that, do you approach it just like you said, like you're like, hmm, how, I'm going to explore this for a while. And you just delve into it. Like, where does the, where does the, where does your inspiration come from for these? Cool, wow. And feel free to tell us about some of these cool shows because our audience might remember some of the things Jason's mentioned over the last sure. year. Um, I, I don't entirely know. I, I, I will try and answer your question by talking through some of the shows. And sure, yeah. this is going to be a little biased because a, a lot of my thinking about how to come up with shows uh, was influenced by a workshop that I took with Jason in 2017. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Let's do a all, reverse one now. you got to tell Jason. So if I get any of the details yeah. wrong, Jason, please do jump in. <laughs> I will. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, if you're interested, uh, I can teach this workshop in your theatre whenever you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, no, I will, I will stop sidetracking myself. Goodness, I'm like this uh, when I teach as let's well. Let's pick a show. Let's pick a show. Let's, pick a show let's, you, let's do like, the saboteur. So, the saboteur, um, yeah. Yeah. So this is a show that I had the idea for. I think in. 2015 or something it's based on the reality tv show the mole of which the best version is the belgian version de mole um i will accept no discussion no uh, counter arguments um so that didn't and, sound french so that sounded flemish was that is it flemish? yeah that's the point yeah. uh, i i hope um i'll um i will god i keep, keep just sidetracking myself I, I i can't do this so uh <laughs> The, the Mole was a TV show in which people were competing in challenges, but there was one person who was secretly working against the group to try and undermine them. And I had a sort of vague inkling of like, oh, that could be interesting to play with um, in improv. But then I just sort of like put it aside because there wasn't really a spot to perform it. Um, and then a few, 2019, I think it was, I was having a dinner with Catherine Weaver and Sophie Power in Melbourne. And we were talking sort of semi-cynically about what's the show that would really sell at a festival? Like what could, what's, what's in at the moment? Um, and we were, we knocked around the idea of true crime as something. Um, uh, and so I was thinking about it. It's like one of the things that's important about true crime is that you can sort of like uh, see lots of tiny details that then get pieced together into a grander narrative that are figured out as it goes on. 
Um, and something that Jason taught me um, was that when you're doing any sort of like work based off something else that you don't just want to try and replicate that thing. Otherwise, why don't you just write a scripted parody of it? Um, and I think this is the phrase that I've come up with. Uh, so feel free to use this in your classes, Jason. Uh, <laughs> <I will. laughs> is that you need to find a conceptual rhyme between the thing that you are um, basing your work off and the the medium, in this case, improvisation. How can we, like, what conceptually rhymes between the, uh, the mole and improvisation? And so as soon as I sort of was looking at it through that lens, I was like, sorry, to back up a step, uh, I thought like, well, we need a, a crime that could happen on stage that we can actually see take place because otherwise we're making up the details and it can have the trimmings of true crime, but it sort of doesn't get to the essence of mm -hmm. like what makes true crime interesting. And so I was like, okay, well, what if the crime that's happening on stage is bad improv? And that like old idea of uh, doing a show based on the mole came back to me. Um, and so once I sort of started with there, I was sort of working from intuition a little bit on sort of like, well, if we have one person who's the trailer, then there should be these people doing this. And then, oh, we need to have this sort of thing. And, and so I was just sort of like, like feeling in a Sudoku, like I was able to sort of use intuition about here's the shape of what I think it should be. And so, uh, and once I was doing that, I started pulling in other influences, like other reality TV shows like Survivor or um, Hidden Role Games, uh, like Among Us, Werewolf, um, those sort of things. Uh, yeah, so in terms of inspiration, it sort of started with like a, how can we connect these two things together? And then mm. like by firing them at each other, like in the Large Hadron Collider, there were all these explosions of other particles that came off it and I was able to sort of uh, pull them together. Oh, the metaphors, the metaphors. They, <laughs> love it. There's too many I on top it. of each other. I hate poetry. I hate poetry. Everyone knows <laughs> that about me. Um, that's, uh, that's great. I love that uh, the, the Hadron Collider example too. Just like smashing two ideas together is cool to, to like better explore each of them by, by smashing them together, which is very cool. Uh, that's great. And I love the uh, conceptual rhyme. I wrote it down. I'm going to use that in my classes. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, quote Jimmy the fish. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Like Randy Dixon always says uh, you want to make it taste like the style so that the audience, mm. when, they, when they leave the, uh, the theater goes like, mm, that did had the taste of, <laughs> of Tennessee Williams. Like yeah. it wasn't Tennessee Williams, but it tasted like it, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, that's great. That's cool. And then, so did the format end up being bad improv and someone getting voted off? Like, I, I don't know how the whole format. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Sorry, I, I should get into that as well. Um, so, uh, very briefly, uh, before the show starts, I uh, get the cast in a circle and everyone will close their eyes. And one at a time, they'll open their eyes and I'll either shake my head or nod my head. And if they get a nod, they are the saboteur for the evening. And that happens sort of two minutes before uh the show starts because i don't want people to uh plan too much and let it get in their head um and then uh i'll call up the, the show starts i uh introduce it to the audience and i'll call up a, a a few players at a time and set them a short form game or uh a scene start that they're to do yeah. and they have uh, as long as it takes to do that um and after we've played a few games, then uh, the two things happen. 
the audience do a poll on their quiz about on their quiz, do a poll on their phone about who they think the saboteur might be. And the players take a quiz about the things that the saboteur has been doing. So uh, then uh, we will tot up the scores very quickly and whoever scored the lowest on the quiz um, is whoever the players that scored the lowest on the quiz is eliminated from the show. Wow. Um, and so you're hopefully you're hopefully getting rid of the saboteur but no 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 no. the saboteur is uh like safe all the way through um yeah. but it's uh well we we tried it both ways and we yeah. ended up saying that the saboteur should be safe the whole way through so it's it's players who are wrong about who the saboteur is who yeah. uh oh cool so it's kind of like yeah. yeah like like clue where you're guessing who the bad guy is or who who it is yeah. if you're wrong you're out you lose yeah, yeah. You lose. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. That's fun. It's super fun. Yeah, uh, that's lovely. And uh, so, as yeah. you're playing, you're you're kind of going. As you're playing as a as a player, you're you're kind of going. Is this person making um, choose hoppers just because they're <laughs> improvising, mm-hmm. or or are they doing this on purpose? And you're still playing mm-hmm. the scene. You still the scene work is 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 really good, but everyone's on their toes. The audience is sitting forward. Um, and uh, and yeah. who the audience? The, I think only at the end the audience get a say. Like, uh, um, so it, it's up to the improvisers themselves to pick who who the person is, and the mm. lowest person out of those go out. And then Jim will say twenty percent of the audience know who the saboteur oh, is. Oh, cool! Yeah, so yeah. We'll, Fun, we yeah. Uh, we we're trying to like keep the audience involved as it goes along. Um, I love I love that the person that gets voted out isn't who is doing bad improv in quotes, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But who, how badly you guessed who was doing bad improv, which <laughs> yeah. I think is like a nice layer, so that it doesn't feel like you're getting out of the show because you were doing bad improv, right? Which is how you're going to yeah. feel. Right? You get you get voted off because you made a mistake, which is kind of fun <laughs> in the guessing game, which is very cool because that I encourages mean, the... yeah, and it encourages good improv because people are like, I got to do the best improv ever, so everyone knows mm-hmm. I'm not the saboteur. Look, guys, I'm not the saboteur. I'm doing really good improv. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that I say to the cast uh, before the show. is like, if you're not the saboteur, just please do the best improv you've ever done. That will yeah. just make the show really work. No pressure. Um, something is, is that, it, interesting and... that happens is that the uh, some people will be in it. This happened to, I, I won't name them, but a uh, player was in a scene. And <laughs> Jason, as the scene's was, going on, they were thinking like, oh, this scene's not going very well. I, I must be on a I must be having an off night I'm I, I just, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was and sort of had this tail spiral that affected their play for the rest of the night um and then at the end it was like oh wait it's because I was in a scene with the saboteur that's why it wasn't going well <laughs> well picking great. up what I was putting down and is the saboteur like the saboteur is allowed to do good improv too, right? Like yeah, 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 yeah. You've yeah. got to yeah. early on. You've got to. You can't. You can't. If we don't want to tip your hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to. So you, you wanna, just want to. You want to sort of just do the. It's what I'm interested in is like the really surgical cuts you can make to a scene, hmm. like deliver a line sort of like point two of a second too late and take all the air out of it. Yeah. Um, oh, funny. Or yeah. just miss here an offer or something like. Yeah. Something yeah. Yeah. Simple. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. Or, or call so the scene early. Like, oh, sorry, you're in the middle. Of my... Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I, I am now curating. Like, uh, I, I've been collecting a list of sort of like all the things that I've seen saboteurs do mm-hmm. to um, uh, sabotage scenes. 
which is really interesting. Anyway, so that's that's a, that's a format. I've uh, if people want to read more about it, I've written a. I was about to say I've written a write up. Hooray for tautologies. <laughs> um, uh, it's up on Medium. It's called cool. Who and How, Why, What is the Saboteur, where I go into some of the philosophy. It's very depth. cool. No, I like it. Like just right away, the... the first the first thing that hits me that's uh, I'm going to say brilliant <laughs> about this genius maybe uh, is is the fact that I've, I've seen so many survivor improv type shows been done before and they're all about voting somebody off who's doing the worst improv uh and so it actually becomes like survivor and the improvisers start mm. hating each other and like there's actual animosity uh and like the audience is upset when someone gets voted off that they wanted to stay and like it actually makes a negative experience whereas this show actually it, it's it has the same premise where someone is doing like we're, we're voting people off and stuff but but it's in such a way that it's all positive like the whole way through everyone's doing having a really great time and the improvisers are like doing the best that they can do and and like the, the like that yeah. the saboteurs even doing the best they can do so that they don't get found out like it's it sounds like it does the it makes everyone do positive good improv and people get voted off every once in a while what, what, yeah yeah i mean some of the most raucous and delightful bits of the show are there are points where people can accuse each other of being the saboteur and like <laughs> here's why i think you're the saboteur mm-hmm. is that you did xyz and then they can come back with like well no i was actually committing to the reality of the scene <laughs> i think you're the saboteur because <laughs> as uh... As a saboteur, it's really fun in those moments because you just, like, one of my strategies as a saboteur is to try to be as best as I can be and wait for someone to just stumble a word or something like that. And so then um, then when I sit down to for accusations, I'm like, see that scene? I was doing, a, but you started mumbling through it. Like, <laughs> and so you just throw shade on on people. And yeah. it's all uh, good-spirited as well. But, yeah, basically yeah. it's it's because you don't know what's going on is the fact that you get voted out no one else is voting you out um you're just trying to um keep it going which is nice but what what i think is uh, really interesting is the process of this because you mentioned jim you had all of these different ideas mm. and we brought a lot of these ideas to the uh to the workshop floor as well mm. um and tried them out and a lot of them uh, as as kind of happens with formats that essentialize well got left uh by the wayside there was elements of team uh team play in there and stuff like that 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 we tried and and just kind of um cut out so Mm, as mm. as much as what is in there works really well together there was a whole bunch of stuff in there that we we tried as well yeah i i because i when i had the idea for it i was like oh it could be this or it could be that it could be this like uh do people get points or not is there some sort of prize or isn't there are they in teams or aren't they can people get can saboteur get voted out all of these different sort of options for how it could be and so we got together five or six people in a room and we just ran through the show i don't know it must have been like half a dozen eight times something just trying all the different options and seeing how they felt and talking about them um and and that's that's what that's what you were talking about before about like that exploration of it like let's explore Mm. this idea and just like getting a bunch of people in a room and let's try it try it try it try it doesn't work yeah that did work yeah i i i I came with a, a bit of an agenda of like here are the things that i want to find out but I was delighted by sort of the other things that came up in the room as well that I wasn't looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Yeah. Uh, and and anyone here who's who's sort of planning, got a format that they've been working on over the last year, they want to take it into a room, uh, have a list of the things that you are looking for, but then keep your eyes open for uh, the things that may emerge that you weren't expecting. Yeah, and be and be joy and like be so happy when something doesn't work. That's yeah. what I, when it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't work. Let's never do that yeah. again. Good. I'm glad we tried it. It just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And just I mean, let, that's something let that it I've, die. Yeah. <laughs> something that I've really been uh, craving, like pro- possibly more than performing improv, is to get into a rehearsal room with uh, a bunch of people who are very articulate about about the craft and to just throw spaghetti at the wall and then examine the patterns and see what happens. Um, <laughs> Jackson yeah. Pollock improv. The metaphors. <laughs> yeah, just uh, that exploration is really important uh, to me. And it, it was only sort of like in the last sort of, uh, I, I, I've sort of done a lot of, this is going to sound weird, but like exploring in my own head, like sort of, sort of deductive reasoning about how a format could work. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to do more, like even more exploring. Like right now I would love the idea of gathering like four or five people in a room with no idea for it, like coming in with no agenda. And this is like, we're going to come up with something based on this. What are we all interested in? Yeah. Yeah. Love I'm just getting back to the, the, the saboteur one and like pairing ideas away from uh, the, the format. Um, something that I have been thinking about uh, over the last year as well is um, Luke Rimmel's one in Brisbane. He introduced me to the idea of obligations in improv that when you come up with a a show, everything you add to it is an obligation for the actors. Mm -hmm. So uh, if they need to remember that the third scene is the last one before the group game or something like that, then Sure, but uh, it's going to take a little bit away from their ability to be present in the scene because it's one extra thing they have to keep track of. Um, And so uh, each obligation has to add, each thing you add to the show has to contribute more to the artistic output of what is made than it takes away from the cast in their ability to deliver it. I don't, ex- I don't think I explained that particularly well, no, I but I'm just totally, gonna... I totally got it. Yeah, okay. no, it was, cool. it was very articulate. I, I think it's, and I, it's spot on. And I like the word obligation for that too. It's mm. good. Like, like when you like, what just listening to you talk about how, like, as soon as you put a rule on, it takes up mind space from the improvisers. Almost yeah. like it takes up. So like the more rules or obligations they have to think about, they're not thinking about the work as much. They're not thinking about yeah. the, the rules. Uh, and what you want is you want one of those rules that sort of like, like um, to put it into programmer language uh, that loops, right? Like a loop, like here's the rule. And it just, that rule just sits there the whole time. So you don't have to think of all the other rules. You're just thinking of this one rule and it forces you to do it. Like, um, like we do a, a improvised spoken word poetry uh, mm. show. That's why I was joking about how much I hate poetry. <laughs> and the rule is very simple is that we go back and forth between improvised poems and improvised scenes. Mm. And we just go, and it's always poem, scene, poem, scene. And other than that, we can do whatever kind of narratives we like. You can bring things back if we want. Maybe it's just individual scenes. Uh, but that one rule is all we have to think about. Mm. And then the rest, it it, it just kind of like it, it for it because that rule is such a, a loop, like a loop, right? Do a poem, do a scene, do a poem, do a scene. Mm-hmm. Do a poem. Uh, you just keep doing that forever and you don't have to think about like in the third scene, then we have to do this, then we have to do yeah. a double poem, then we have to do it. Like 
it's not all that kind of mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I have a, a dog here at my feet. Uh, so uh, if you heard some sort of, mm, that was her <laughs> in, in the background, like, mm, oh, yes, mm, I agree with Dave. Mm, mm. Oh, the dog's with me. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's interesting because one, one of the projects that I've been working on over the last year is that I have been uh, working with uh, this young upstart improviser called Patty Styles. Um, I've sort of taken mm. her under my wing. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm Patty, Patty the Styles. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, uh, and she is, uh, she's writing a book, and I've been her editor slash sounding board slash project manager on it. And it's a book about the idea of rules. Um, mm. The the title is Improvise Freely, Throw Away the Rule Book, and Unleash Your Creativity. Uh, it'll be out in mid twenty twenty one. But cool. a, a lot. So when you were talking about rules, it, like uh, a lot of I, I've been thinking very deeply about rules over the last year mm -hmm. uh, as we've worked on that book. And I can tell you, none of it because it's all embargoed until of course, the book of comes course. out. I'm going to edit this all out of the. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I'm not going to, but. <laughs> well, it's been great. Uh, do you want me to send you the audio? Or... Yeah, yes, please. I've seen so many shows buried under the weight of self-imposed rules. We, we've spoken about it in different ways on, on this podcast, but basically the idea that a structure or a format should be a springboard, not a cage. Um, mm. And, and it's, it's that same thing. If you're planting signposts along the way that you have to hit, that severely limits the scope at which you can improvise because you're, yeah. you're you're aiming for for the target and so yeah it's a, a really lovely way to to hear luke kind of phrase it like that yeah i mean the 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 metaphor that i've started using another metaphor is metaphors. that uh, uh, in a wrestling match the ropes around the ring are ostensibly there to sort of constrain the action that the wrestling must take place within these ropes, but yeah. the ropes are the most exciting when players jump over them or bounce off them or do a backflip off them or like climb over them completely and grab a chair and come bring it back into the ring. Like the same with yeah. the improv format that it's ostensibly there, but you're using it to jump off. Well, and yeah, rules are great. Uh, if you use them, they're great. Like use them to tell the story instead of like, so make uh, instead of trying to tell the story around them. It's like, no, no, use mm -hmm. the rule, the rule, the, you know, you, I don't know. You can only speak in French. Like, do it. Speak in French. Speak in whatever French you know. Like, Dave, you don't want me French. to speak in French. You I want to hear. We. Yeah, no, but like, yeah, and that's the thing with rules is that it's like I think every improviser ends up ends up this way. Maybe they don't start this way, but they end up with a love hate relationship with rules, where we love them so much because they're inspiring and they give us direction and and that they're like push us in places we wouldn't normally go and we have to like think are like find a way through the rules right like a jungle uh whereas like and, and so you love them but then you also hate them because you're like this is too many rules what can we just do a herald why are we doing all these rules and like <laughs> that uh, and it's sort of like trying to find that perfect balance of of the right amount of rules is always the the, the challenge and i think the fun part uh as well with creating a format the the thing that i add on to luke rimmel's one's idea of uh obligations is that you want to get the maximum like specificity for a format out of the fewest number of like restrictions or obligations that you impose. So mm -hmm. the purest expression of artistic intent with the fewest uh, like constraints to create that to me, that's a, an elegant format. Yeah. One, one rule that does a lot of heavy lifting is awesome. one rule to rule them all, one rule to rule them all in, in the darkness. Bye. 
Now, Jim, you've also done a lot of, uh, ex, I guess, experiential improv theatre is, is mm, a way immersive, to... Immersive. Immersive. Uh, yeah, where... I... Sorry, I will let you actually finish the question before I jump in. <laughs> Site-specific? What would you call it? Yeah, uh, yeah site-specific. Um, uh, I've I've uh, seen uh, one of your shows that was part of the uh, New Zealand uh, Improv Festival when you, you ran a workshop right. on it and, uh, and did a show over there in a space. Uh, as well uh, but I've heard uh, about lots of other different ones so they're site specific um, they're they're uh, they're the audience are, are part of the process and de- determine what they hear maybe they move around a little bit mm. um, uh, may they define where they go or who they see or what they watch uh, in the space um, tell us a little bit about your experience with that with that kind of stuff yeah sure um I I started doing that sort of thing uh, six years ago now. Um, I, I, I sort of wanted to go from improvising for audiences to improvising with audiences. Mm-hmm. And so we make an offer to the audience and see what they bring back. And we accept that offer and we uh, move through. So that's the sort of like basic way to frame it I mean experiential is the word that I have come back to in a way that incorporates uh immersion uh site-specific interactive improvised that's sort of the the thing that binds all of them together Mm -hmm. um I have increasingly have like a a bit of a I've I've grappled with the word immersive a lot um because it, like immersive theater is the the name that's become attached to things like sleep no more or then yeah. she fell or you me bum bum train um but the like to me immersive is like hilarious or thought provoking like mm-hmm. I, I if i go to your show i will tell you whether it is hilarious i will tell you whether it is thought provoking i will tell you whether i was immersed or not yeah um uh yeah anyway uh, i should actually tell you about the shows yeah so i uh, my theatre company, Jetpack Theatre, is based out of Sydney. We've done shows that, uh, again, explore all of these things. Like I I saw this world of experiential theatre and I was like, I want to figure out how to do that. Um, so we did something like 21 shows in three years, I think. Um, just sort of like trying things constantly, lots of different things. So yeah. uh, the first show we did, we built a maze and put performers in it and turn the lights out and one audience member would go in with a torch um or a flashlight for our american listeners um and uh, i was picturing a torch like like, like a flame like a flaming like angry torch. mob yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was a, a flashlight and yeah. they would uh, explore this maze and meet the uh, characters and be chased and it was a lot of fun wow. um cool and then we, I directed a show that was a, a monologue. It was a, a dark adaptation of The Owl and the Pussycat that was written by uh, Stuart Lee, the British stand-up comedian. Um, and we performed it on a boat in Sydney Harbour. Um, so I would row people um, around the harbour while uh, a performer, Hannah Cox, delivered this monologue to them on the water. Cool. And that's another thing that was sort of like, well, the idea for the show came from logical deduction, which is I want to present this monologue. The boat seems fairly important. How it, putting a boat on stage feels dorky. How do we get the perform? Get the, but then, so the boat's on the water. But then, how are people going to hear it? So obviously, they need to be in the boat with them. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's that's another sort of logical deduction. We did a, a 
the, the sort of biggest show we did was almost an escape room that we built uh, an art gallery and um, we have two improvisers in there playing security guards and the audience come in and they're trying to steal a painting from the gallery. Um, so there are security cameras they need to fool, there are laser grids they need to like dodge through, um, they need to distract the guards. Like it was part escape room, part uh, uh, improv show in that the guards would respond to what you were doing to like either help or hinder you in um, escaping with this painting. So sometimes that was uh, that the players would find the janitor's costume and put it on and uh, sort of come in with a bucket of moth and you say, oh, I thought Jerry was on today. Like, and universally they'll go, oh, no, Jerry's sick. Sorry, I'm here instead. And so you go, oh, okay, sure. Um, or that they could like take an empty frame and stand against a wall with it. And the guards go like, oh, I don't remember this painting being here yesterday. <laughs> They're always changing things up. Um, so it was a, a chance for like people would came to do an escape room, but really they were doing a, a emergent experiential narrative improv exercise with us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So those are some of the things that I've done in, in that sort of like cool. uh, interactive uh, experiential uh, theater. And uh, they're, and they're improv shows, but they're like not, but for, they are. For the most part. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. they are, but they aren't. Yeah. Um, in ways that I found difficult to describe in marketing copy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like we use improvisation, but we kind of know what's going to happen, but we don't know what's going to happen. You, get yeah. To someone, someone asks, especially my latest show, which I suspect we'll get to. Like someone will ask, like, "So, what's your show about?" And I'll sort of go, "Well," uh, <laughs> and they'll say, "Is it a comedy show?" And I, go, "Yes, yes, it's a comedy show. <laughs> You're gonna love it. Come on." Yeah. yeah that's yeah we we do like paper street my company here we do a lot of uh genre work stuff and style things and some of the most fun stuff we do now is is site specific so like we do a, a show in a castle once a year i say cool. castle but it's like a canadian castle which is just, <laughs> just a big house that's old like it's not made of stones it's not like don't picture a castle um and like uh, but but it's this huge building and, and the audience comes in and we walk through the castle and the show happens throughout the castle and it's a an agatha christie murder mystery that we improvise so like right there's like we we, there's like four stops along the way and at one point in the middle and this is the part that i loved because we originally did that show in a theater but when we moved it into the castle it was like okay well the first scene will happen in the dining room we'll meet all the characters then there's going to be a murder at some point Mm. and when the murder happens then the audience moves and we go and we split them into two rooms and then after that, we bring them back together for whatever the fun finale is. And so when they're split in two rooms, it's super fun because the audience doesn't get to see the whole show. The performers don't get to see the whole show. Mm-hmm. And the performers walk between the two rooms. So the audience does get to see all the performers at some point, And they get to see all these different little reactions. And we get all the different gossiping stuff that happens in the clue putting together. Um, and it was one of those lovely discoveries of the show that made the show better was this mm. moment in the middle where everyone got a different experience for a while. And then yeah. we came back together at the end. And there would be moments where like, uh, we, we, where someone would die in one of those middle scenes, uh, which did only happened, I think, like the once, but it happened one time <laughs> someone died. And they got to the final scene and everyone finally was like, where's, what, where's what's her name? 
And everyone said, oh, she died. Yeah, you missed that. She died. So she's been dead. I'm like, she's dead. Like, they forgot to tell them that she died in the middle. Um, that changes everything. Uh, stuff oh, like that. Dude. Or like, yeah. Or the, yeah. Or the, the killer and the victim ended up being the killer at one point as a ghost. I don't know. Like, weird things will happen. But it was like that split in the middle made the show so much better. And that's what I love about that, like, putting it in a place. Because the restriction, mm. and again, like, the restrictions of that place now change the show. Like yeah. Given like like how do you we're doing a show on a boat is definitely going to change what that show's going to be like. <laughs> like you have to deal with nature suddenly. Nature. <laughs> oh god. Oh yeah. god. Natural lighting. <laughs> Very cool. Now, uh, Jim, I'm uh, lucky enough to be working with you on this new show, which... Uh, uh, no, I would argue it's the other way around, but carry uh, on. Well, um, I'm and, lucky enough to not have to work. <laughs> Remember when you were um, going to come here, Jason? Yeah. <laughs> I um, uh, Yeah, I, I love that you're still looking for interesting ways to improvise with the audience. Uh, and this show is uh, just that. So uh, Dave's not super familiar with this. Our audience won't be at all. So uh, maybe talk uh, talk them through the museum of this morning. Yeah, the museum of this morning. Something, yeah. something about the museum. Yes. Oh, sorry. My dog's getting up. She's had a long day of, of lying down. The, the museum, museum of, of this, this morning. morning. By <laughs> uh so this it's a is, comedy uh, show it's a comedy show yeah what, what more is there to say it's comedy come, come. yeah um well that's a, an interesting thing is that like uh hamilton is a, a a lovely city and i like it a lot um it's sort of in the process of like a, a like cultural expansion and development um mm-hmm. and so when you talk about improv like it we're sort of at the point where it's still so like also it's sort of like whose line is it anyway yeah um but that's just know. like the canadian hamilton they're, they're doing okay. the exact thing right Good now they know. just uh of, of alumni from paper street just moved to hamilton scott thompson jason yep. you know scott mm-hmm. and he taught the first ever long form like he, he put on one of the first long form shows that hamilton had wow. ever done, uh when he first moved there so they're just in that same expansion wow maybe mm-hmm. Maybe they are the same. (laughs) (laughs) There's a wormhole between the two Hamiltons. Uh, There's also a sketch to be written of Canadian Hamilton about the musical. Anyway, uh, so the show, uh, it's a a solo show, sort of, in that it's me plus everyone in the audience. Um, And I play a, a staff member of the fictional museum of this morning, which collects the stories of everything that happened on that morning and turns cool. it into an exhibition. So I'm interviewing members of the audience about the things that they did between dawn and noon. And uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of sort of like just finding the nuance and the, the beauty in the mundane and sort of like the, uh, the emotional crux of what's, uh, uh, what their morning can say and then uh, collecting that in uh, the museum by drawing it, that drawing a scene of that story and collecting that object and writing a little label for it um, on, a, on a blackboard. So we create this small exhibition of five of the things that happened this morning. Cool. Cool. Super. So like someone spilt their coffee on their pants or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We would collect their coffee cup or their pants and... Um, yeah, and have it up. Have it like, as part. Sorry, their their trousers. Uh, I, pants. Do you, 
They're pants down in Australia, yeah. right? Fine. Pants are yeah. pants are on the outside. Okay. Yeah. But if you're in England uh-huh. and you're thinking about <laughs> pants, it's the other kind of pants. If it's on, if the coffee got on the trousers, chances are, you know, it also got on the slacks. Yeah. Where does slacks yeah. fit into this? Strides. Uh, that's super <laughs> cool. We once, we were once uh, asked my my wife and I, who's also an improviser as well, we we ended up doing a, a show at the museum here in BC. We've done mm-hmm. a few of them where we do like a poetry show in this old fashioned theater, or like we did one where we were reciting poetry in a in a submarine exhibit mm. and we were doing wow. like not like love stories between different sea creatures it was very fun <laughs> it was a very fun little thing but but one of them we did was a pretend tour of the museum uh from <laughs> where we are obviously don't know anything about stuff so we would just like go through and and go to the audience and be like and of course this uh this you know this uh, train here was mm. the was the was the and then someone <laughs> would shout something out and we'd be like yes thank you exactly uh and then we would just do like a, a pretend thing and it was super fun uh super fun to pretend to be a museum tour guide yeah i loved it well the one of the things that came into the show is that i did work in museums for 10 years um so i was a a curator at a museum in melbourne and i I used to give tours of the powerhouse museum up in sydney Um, so a a lot so (laughs) part of it comes naturally just from having done it a lot um but also I was interested in uh, the VNA in London does uh, what they call rapid response collecting, where mm. if there's something important that's uh, happened very recently, they will uh, add it to their collection. They've got a wow. process for doing that for, because usually you don't add something until it's sort of like significance has been established over time. And there's a, a lengthy process and lots of paperwork to mm-hmm. add something to the collection. Cause once you add it to the collection, you've got to look after it for five, 10, 50, 500 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that poses difficulties when it's your, when you're collecting an app or uh, a video. Yeah. So the museum I worked at in Melbourne is the Australian center for the moving image ACME, which is a national film, TV, video games, digital culture museum. And one of the things that happens is like, they have a, a film from 1896. They have, like, they have the film footage of it and they could put it on a projector and play it for you like that. But there's an interactive work from 2004 that they've been trying to make work for 18 months because they can't find the right driver for the four PCs, <laughs> like one of the four PCs that it runs on. Um, it's like so, so old, but not that old, but so old Yeah, so I, I, I was in, so this idea of like, well, hang on, when how do you collect talk about today and and the things that are happening now in a museum context should we be doing that so that, that was one of the things that i was interested in um in and you've only the, described, the main thing it, sorry was, you go ahead keep going no no, no i i was going to say you've only described a portion of the show as well the first yeah so this isn't this show. is another thing that i i i i wanted to talk to you both about is that so part of the show, and everyone listen close, because I'm only going to say this quietly, because <laughs> what happens in the show is that then once we've collected these objects, we travel forward 2000 years and see how they might be viewed from that point in time. Um, so we see a, a curator in the future um, reflecting on what, what these objects could have meant. Very and. Cool. I've, I've sort of been holding that back from the description of the show in marketing materials and things. Cause to me, that's a surprise. Yeah. And I uh, want the audience to be surprised by that. Um, and I wonder like it, it there's, it's not often in uh, improv that we sort of can, that we know that sort of information 
that like yeah. we know this thing this is the thing that's going to happen in this show because usually it's sort of like here's the premise and then who knows where it will go and there's uh like a part of me that wants to keep it back uh, as a surprise uh, well so anyone who plans on seeing this show just look into this pen and thank you very much <laughs> yeah what are we talking uh, about no that's and cool anyway, no, it's been like great that. talking to you guys i'll send you <laughs> no i like that uh that that yeah i don't think you need to put that in your marketing material i don't think you should yeah. i think it's it's fine i think yeah. the premise of the show being a museum of this morning is more than enough yeah and that little thing at the end like it's just yeah it happens or i mean even if you didn't do it every show because it just wasn't feeling like the right show to do it <laughs> then you just don't do it and it's not a big deal like I, I think i don't think yeah i don't think that's part of the marketing at all i think that yeah well, it's it's interesting. It, it it's not one thing that we do at the end. We sort of do it a couple of times throughout the yeah. show as we collect each thing or each pair of things. Because it's a, this is an extension of a show that I did back in 2016, maybe. Um, oh, so where long I, ago. I know where I got uh, for an audience of twelve, where we sat around in a circle and discussed various uh, things, and uh, it was sort of like a part uh, mind mapping exercise, part dinner party part focus group um and sort of talk about things and then at the end i would get everyone to uh lie down and i would narrate a dream based on everything that we'd just spoken about but it was like 45 minutes of setup and then four minutes of payoff at the end and people would come away going like wow i had a great time but i don't know what i just <laughs> was that I don't a know show? what happened <laughs> was that yeah. a show yeah no I love, um, I love that but that that's that's the experience right the experience of building that dream is mm. as fun as listening to the dream i would hope mm. it's like i do whenever i do these uh festival i do some family festival shows uh once in a while or i used to uh and uh when i would go it was like i would go just by myself and i would originally i was gonna like maybe tell a story but i was like nah it'll be way more fun so i started bringing the audience up and getting them to do the story and directing mm. them and playing some of the parts if need be telling people what to say if they're shy and have some kids up and their parents maybe and it was like i would make them do the show for each other <laughs> like i i wasn't doing a show anymore i was just having that and i'd even ask them like so what do you think the monster would say and then the kid would say something and i was like perfect and then i would just narrate what happened like i would just but but that experience of them doing the show of the people watching them do the show of, of all of us building the show together is way better than any story i'm going to make up yeah. for them. It, yeah. it makes a solo show much easier as well because oh, i have yeah. to do much less because yeah, yeah. much but less imagining yeah but you're doing something much <laughs> more in the fact that you're you're now facilitating them through their own mm. creative journey and that is yep. it might feel easy for you because you're some like you know prodigy genius but um <laughs> but for them the audience they're like they're like wow how's he get how does he make all these ideas work so well right uh, so yeah i think there's a there's a gift to it that, that uh, yeah sorry i didn't mean to call you a prodigy and make you <laughs> feel feel young uh and, i'm actually the prodigy <laughs> The prodigy. It's a music project that I've been working on for a few years. Yeah, Dave and I are Daft Punk, by the way. We just yeah. broke up. Rip. Yeah, we just uh, <laughs> my my helmet's laying in the trash can right here. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So the the museum of this morning sounds wonderful. Sounds like an incredible idea. I love it. I well, love thank it. you. I yeah. love it. So so cool. Uh, and has like like some. Uh, some very innovative approaches to the work but and again it's like it's it's an improv show 
but yeah. it's like but it's like it's an improv show it's a comedy show just come you'll love it it's a comedy <laughs> show. It's, it, has that, it has that feel to it which is cool which is very cool uh and you haven't done it have you done it yet fully or is it still like in the development stage? so i've done uh two slices of it uh two of them at uh late night knife fight in wellington hosted mm-hmm. by jen o'sullivan former guest on the show and uh the one of them at the local university for a, a theater making class i did a like full run of the show with minimal light and costume and sound and things and then one at a theater in christchurch um uh that was a full run through so uh I, i've and in each time we sort of gone like okay this is sort of working this isn't and so we've uh, tweaked as we go along um in the last two or three months we've brought a costume designer sound designer and lighting designer on board so now i have like a a full suite of uh, an actual show to present and a set as well um Mm -hmm. so i'll be doing a, a test show of it in hamilton in, uh, in two Hamilton, weeks. Ontario? Yeah, yeah. I, I need to fly over quickly. I'll Quarantine. Tell Scott. I'll and... tell Scott to check yeah. it out. Um, and then I'm going to do uh, some dates at the Wellington Fringe Festival, uh, 16th to 19th, if there's any Wellington listeners here, particularly yes, for yes. the Wednesday. Um, if you're in Wellington, please come on the Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And th- it's one of the things that came into it is this is sort of the first show I've made as a sort of like born out of like a production requirement as well as coming off the back of um, Art Heist, which took us 13 months from starting to work on it to opening night um, of trying to find venues, training actors, buildings. Like that's, it was a lot. I was in a space where I like, I want to do a show that is just me and mm-hmm. I turn up and that's that's it. So I, I knew that I wanted to do a solo show, but then also, um, uh, again, sort of logical reasoning is thinking like, well, it's just me on stage asking people what they did that day. I, I want to have a nice sound design, a nice set, a nice costume so that people can see where their dollars and ticket dollars are going. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, actually, I didn't want to derail you too much earlier, but just hearing you say the words like, yeah, then, you know, we brought in a set designer, costume designer, lighting designer. All of those words made me so happy. I don't know. I mean, yeah. You can maybe you can see it because like as an improviser uh, and like with Paper Street, I try really hard to put production value into it. So it looks mm-hmm. like a piece of theater. That's always my goal yes. is to make it theater. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so hearing you just throw those words out like, yeah, and then we finally got a lighting design. It just made me happy to be like, yeah, improv is theater. Look at this. You can do these <laughs> great things with it. Uh, like yeah oh, i love it sorry continue yeah. continue no, on no, with how the restrictions brought this upon you yes cool. no so, but that, that was sort of it is that i want to i wanted it to I, I knew i wanted it to be a solo like something light that i could take by myself and i knew that uh like you were saying i wanted to do something that was more theatrical like i have a deep love of sort of scratch theater and making things happen sort of on a 50 dollar budget overnight and i will gladly keep doing those shows till mm-hmm. i die but also uh, I wanted to do something that was uh, a bit, uh, something that could play more, uh, feel more theatrical mm-hmm. uh, and, and be more. Uh, I'm trying to describe this without 
also shitting on the other work that I've done. No, no. I mean, we all, we're, uh, I mean, they're mainly improvisers listening to this podcast <laughs> and we all know the shows where you turn up, there's two blocks on stage and, and those can be just as magical as anything mm. else. But, but it's also wonderful when you step into a theater with wings and someone's put some thought into lighting design and, and there is a little yeah. bit of a set there or, or, or something like that. I mean, that brings, just so much rich richness to the work that we do and it doesn't it doesn't i don't think it nullifies what we do in in other situations at all it's it's a different context and mm. and i i'd suggest that most improvisers who'd be listening to this would know the difference between the two um, yeah. that they they kind of exist in 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 separate things uh but it's so lovely to have that thought put into yeah. it um uh, as well mm. Uh, just for the record, I was shitting on all those. Other <laughs> I, was, just, I was, but you weren't, but I totally was. <laughs> just to alienate half of crap. <laughs> um, this is why we can't be Daft Punk anymore, Dave. I know, we had to break up. Okay. Now, I'm just Gwen Stefani on my own. Uh, okay, um, cool. Well, we're, we're getting, we're running out of time here, but I did want to talk again about that, that you just used that term, the, the idea of the restrictions that you wanted to do a solo show and mm. you wanted it to be something you could take. And that's what kind of bred the idea out of it. So like that, again, that, that like the rules, we love them. We love it, a restriction, right? Like when we did our but, 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 but rules and restrictions, but. like <laughs> the maybe this is getting into uh, sort of like the, the fiddliness of it, but get into it. We love it, the ways. It wasn't, to, to me, none of this was rules. Like I, I started out with the intention to see what a solo show might've been like. Um, and if it ends up, it could well have ended up not being a solo show. Like it's not a rule mm. of the show that like, to sure, me rules yeah. are you must not break this rule. Whereas mm. to me, this is sort of, you uh, put the liquid in a bag, like the, the show is a liquid and it sort of fills the shape of the container you put it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I shouldn't have used the word rules there. I'm sorry about that. I, I meant That's, it's one of my rules the, is that you can't the, use the rules. Yeah, the, res, the, the restriction that, that, was, that came up because you were just tired of doing, you had, you had such a long time doing that last show that you're like, I just want to kind of do something small and for myself like that so maybe a restriction is even the wrong word maybe it's just that's the well, it's, it's just pointing myself the, in a, a, a the, different direction the, yeah the direction you were pushed in by mm. the circumstances you were in that pushed you yeah. towards like i kind of want to do something on my own and then this that that sort of helped uh sort of uh, fan the flame of this idea metaphors <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it's very cool, and I love it, and I, I love the way your your brain comes up with these shows. It sounds so cool. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's it's a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. And Jim, will uh, I'll get some links uh, to anything that you want to promote. We'll put them in the show notes of this podcast. So if you happen to be around uh, or are interested in talking to Jim for your festivals when mm-hmm. they open back up again, mm-hmm. um, uh, check out the links uh, in the show notes of this podcast yeah. or get in touch with Dave or I or Jim directly. We'll yeah, put yeah. you in touch. Can, Jimmy the Fish on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not, that's not actually at the Twitter. I don't even, probably not on Twitter. Uh, uh, at Twitter Fim Jishwick. It's Jim Fishwick, but with the, the first letters switched. Ooh, um, Saboteur is available for licensing for your theatre if you'd like to 
bring that in. Uh, but thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, we do have one last question we're just going to ask Ooh, you because we, we yeah. always end with it. You've probably heard it now that you've listened to some of these episodes. Yeah. And you've maybe even thought of your answer. You know, I, I remembered uh, to think like, oh, I must think about what my answer to this question will be. And then out of the brain it went. Yeah, and now we're gonna, I'm going to change the question too. No, um, <laughs> but what do you think is the skill that improvisers have that the world would be better if everyone else had it? So like if you could make everyone have that improv skill. What would you what would you want to gift the world? Uh, I know it's it's a hard it's a don't think don't, don't think too much about it. Just yeah. I mean uh an awareness of what improv is so that it makes the marketing easier. Uh, no, it's, um, <laughs> oh, that would be the best. Like legitimately, You're right. I, That's I, the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> legitimately, I, I spent uh one summer in Chicago uh studying it. IO and just the fact that going to improv is a standard date night there and people will you don't need to say describe what the improv is you can say it's an improv show that does blah 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 like allowed so much more experimentation of the form uh anyway um it's uh it's sort of uh you've probably had this before but I think presence presence and listening Mm -hmm. and acceptance of the present moment um uh it's it's that's the thing that i strive for in my improv i don't always get there but it's the thing that i'm working towards um and and that's the thing that i would put out there is if everyone had more of that i i i think it'd be great i I wish i had a deeper answer to as to the why but i I think it's just so core to the craft and the art that if people come away with nothing else the like a uh, presence of presence in the moment and of the moment mm-hmm. yeah great lovely yeah uh, cool well thank you so much jim fishwick well it's lovely. been a pleasure talking to you should i send you the audio uh, yeah yeah, yeah send the audio uh, whenever um but it's just been it was a pleasure to chat with you today and really nice to meet you as well because uh, you too yeah. thanks guys um thank you for listening everyone trans rights have a lovely day <laughs> thanks mike <laughs> thanks for tuning in <laughs>